Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. And on this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by the Hall of Famer, Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski, sat down with his office in Durham to discuss all things Duke and a little college basketball uh, on the national scene. And then uh, Kansas State's Dean Wade, the Wildcats, in my power 36 this week at number 21, not in the AP poll, as they've had an interesting season coming off that Elite Eight run of a year ago. Taking a look at the Power 36 and the AP poll, not much changing for me at the top. Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, which does not have Ty Jerome. Hopefully they'll get him back for their showdown against Duke on Saturday. He was out uh, in their last game with a back injury, so hopefully he'll be back. Gonzaga's rolling. Duke's rolling at home. Tennessee's rolling in the SEC. Kentucky as well in the SEC, looking for a showdown later this month. Nevada out in the Mountain West. Villanova's the team to be in the Big East, although they've got a showdown with Marquette. On Saturday, Michigan, Michigan State both took a loss this past week. Michigan State at home to Indiana, snapped a seven-game skid to the Hoosiers. And then Michigan on the road at Iowa. Iowa, my team of the week. Uh, my player of the week, Baylor's Makai Mason, is Baylor now atop the Big 12. They look like the team to potentially challenge Kansas for that Big 12 regular season title as well as Iowa State and Kansas State. It's kind of part of the reason we're talking to Dean Wade. So the Big 12 still in flux. Um, Kansas had kind of a crazy week, uh, finding out for sure Sylvia D'Souza no longer available to them. He's not been available the whole season. They already without Yudoka Azubuke. So their big men, uh, are depleted and they knew that. So they're going to be leading even more on Diedrich Lawson, Washington undefeated in the PAC 12, getting no love from anyone, but me 14 in the power 36, nowhere to be found in the AP poll, North Carolina avenged a loss to Louisville. At home by beating them on the road. Marquette, as I mentioned, they've got the showdown with Villanova. they got to beat St. John's first. Houston holding strong at 10. Purdue, they've been rolling in the Big Ten. They're tied for first, shockingly, uh, only because of the way they played early in the season. LSU, a tough home loss to Arkansas, but I still think they're going to be in the throes of a top three finish in the SEC. Kansas State and NC State played one of the most bizarre games you're going to see in college basketball. 47-24. 24 points for NC State. That's it. 24. Crazy. 24 points. Uh, Kevin Keats is doing a great job at NC State, but that's where the Wildcats, excuse me, the Wolfpack are at right now. Um, You know, just offensively, they're struggling at times, but not that badly. I still think they're in a tournament team and they should be fine in the big picture. Um, Big 10, 
Right now, I'd lean nine in the tournament. Uh, I think they can get 10, but Nebraska's lost five in a row. They got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do, but it's doable. Five of the last eight are at home. Buffalo lost on the road to Bowling Green in the years past. We'd say, oh, that's a killer. In this instance, I think they have a legitimate shot to um, be a comfortable at large team because the MAC is much improved. So uh, it was great to see Buffalo still in the AP poll at 23. That is significant. Indiana's win uh, saved their season because they were trending in the wrong direction. They had to deal with without Juwan Morgan for a lot of that. So uh, the fact that um, they won that game without him for most of the game is pretty significant for Archie Miller and his crew. Uh, in terms of what's happening this week, the selection committee is going to meet on Wednesday through Thursday, I believe. They're going to reveal their top 16 on Saturday. That'll be uh, unveiled on CBS, I think, in the noon hour. And after that, we're going to have a bracket. Not the tournament committee. They're going to have your top 16. I'm going to have the rest of the bracket, essentially. I'm going to have the full bracket uh, that we will do on Saturday. So um, be prepared for that and uh, digest that, debate it. And we're going to start doing that on a weekly basis here on March Madness. All right. So, look, I had a great chance to sit down. Okay. Great chance to sit down with head coach Mike Krzyzewski in his office at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Uh, it's not always we get him here, but we do get him uh, at least a couple times a year. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation with Mike Krzyzewski, the Hall of Famer, the head coach of Duke. And joining me now, Duke Hall of Fame head coach Mike Krzyzewski. And, and coach, we are essentially almost midway through the ACC uh, you've weathered an injury bug, an illness bug. Uh, where would you assess where this team is right now? Yeah, good. You know, to have that level of adversity in a less than two-week period where you're pretty much playing at a high level and then Zion gets hurt first half against Florida State, doesn't play second half. The next game, Cam, five minutes before the game, is sick, can't play, and then Trey gets uh, hurt five minutes into the game, those are three serious things that happen. And uh, we had Zion and Cam come back for our next games, but uh, then Trey missed a couple games, and then there's a period of adjustment when he comes back. So with a young group, you don't want any interruptions. You don't want it with a veteran group either, but a veteran group, at least they know each other better. And so we're trying to get back to the habits that we had before the injuries. And our, our kids have great attitudes, and we're healthy right now. And so we, we need to use the month of February to get ready for, for March. I know you don't like to compare teams, but it just feels kind of like 15 in terms of the maturity level of the freshmen. Because that group came in, and they were men. I mean, at least they appeared to be. They handled adversity. Can you see any parallels, not in types of players, but just the way they've handled themselves, this freshman class versus that one? Yeah, I think there's uh, some really good parallels. And uh, I think the very first one is that they're very secure about who they are. And they're all about winning. And that group was uh, had upperclassmen, actually more veteran upperclassmen and Quinn Cook, Emil Jefferson, Matt Jones, uh, Marshall Plumley, guys who – we're secure also in who they are. And my upper class, I think, have sh- has shown that. So they mesh real well. In other words, it's a group uh, that really 
likes one another, wants each other to succeed, and a great environment uh, for improvement for everybody. Trey's older brother, Ty, has had Quinn Cook. What's Trey done this year without someone at that level to play off of, to learn from, or even mentor with? Well, the, the thing that Trey has that Tyus didn't was was Tyus, uh, for you know being the the brother that's been through it and is in the pros. So Trey comes in even m- much more prepared than Tyus, and Tyus was really prepared. But uh, because of their relationship, Trey is way ahead, just in uh, knowledge of the game, how he's trained. You know, he's uh, he's in a better place, and Trey's one of the really smart players that I've had the honor to coach and and he's able to show his leadership and basketball intelligence you know during real time on the court and that's what that 15 team did with uh uh Tyus Quinn and Justice those guys they really smart and they they got it and Trey has you know RJ Zion and uh Cam but especially right now Cam's coming on but Zion and RJ have been there for the whole season for him. You never know how they're all going to get along, and sometimes it can go sideways. I mean, what did you see in the recruiting process that led you to believe, you know what, these guys can mesh, you know, because you can recruit the best players in the world, but they may not work well together. Well, they, you know, they, they come from great families, and Cam and Trey were really good friends before RJ committed in September and so they got to know one another through group chats. And, and then they included Zion, even though he had not committed until January. And uh, so they knew each other pretty well. And coming in, you know, we have a summer school session. We had a trip to Canada where they got to know each other better. And they really get along. Sometimes the word brothers is overused, like he's my brother. Well, you know, <laughs> these guys actually are brothers. They really get along, pull for one another. And, you know, sometimes the thing, like you mentioned, things can go sideways. Sometimes people, you know, in covering your team, bring up things that can make you go sideways or too much attention to one and not the others. And, you know, but all these guys are are secure about that. And Zion's probably got the most attention, and, and he's been great at deflecting it. And he doesn't need it. It just comes natural. And uh, the, the other guys are not, you know, they're not taken back by that. They actually, uh, they love it for one another. So I think you're going to agree with me on this. One thing that really bothers me, uh, and I'm not saying this because I work with the NCAA, but I'm bothered when people, oh, you know, Zion, he shouldn't be here. He should be in the NBA. And same with RJ. What if they're actually enjoying themselves? What if they actually like being here or having a great time in college, building a great friendship that they may not ever get in the NBA? I think that narrative gets lost that maybe they like being here for one year, two years, however long it is. Yeah, it will be one year. But, uh, yeah, I think that option should always be available, even if we allow high school kids to go right out of high school. I don't think the one and done will ever be done because there will always be kids that will leave after one year. But uh, you know, this one year, if done correctly, can uh, really build an incredible foundation upon which they can build a professional career. One, they grow up just being away from home, meeting other people, being on their own. Instead of doing that straight out of high school, they 
they're educated better, you know, more, and they're they're exposed. I mean, the exposure that you get by being in a big time program is amazing. So you're marketed, and then uh, if you pick the program that's best for you, you know, you you improve, and so your chance of success earlier as a professional is increased because you create balance. It's not just learning what you do on the court, but it's learning to be more of an adult and, and handle those situations. So the one year, our guys love it. They understand they understand that all that is happening for them. So they're, they put a lot of effort in all those areas so that whenever the time comes when they do leave, uh, they leave uh, in a much better place. I mean, you guys have obviously built this brotherhood that I think lasts for you know decades beyond. And if you're in the NBA straight out, and like I said, obviously some of these guys will do that, but you miss on that. And even if someone like Kyrie, who barely played here but was here for one calendar year or one school year, I mean, there's an attachment. Right. I don't know how you replicate that professionally if you don't even have a chance to experience that. No, you, you don't. I mean, you, you don't. And so I'm really proud of my guys, you know, whether they're here for they graduate, they're here for three, two, one year. You know, they want to be connected with this university and they want to be connected with our program. And they're the ones who have established this brotherhood. It's not some idea that I've had or whatever. And to be quite frank with you, I think Kyrie is one of the main guys in doing it because he recognizes what, even though he was injured for most of the uh, most of the season, he understood what being at Duke meant for him, and being in our program, but being at Duke, you know how, how it helped shape him, and and he's kept that connection, and uh, so have the other guys who've gone early. Nationally, you played Gonzaga, you've played Virginia, you'll play uh, North Carolina, you've played Kentucky, you haven't played Michigan or Michigan State. You know, there's probably others. Uh, what's your assessment of of where we're, you know, basically five weeks out to Selection Sunday of where you see sort of the national landscape. Obviously, Duke is right there in the thick of that group. Oh, in Tennessee, excuse me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really don't look at the national landscape. I just look at us. And I think if I'm a fan, and I am a fan of other sports, and a fan of, I'll be a fan of college basketball when I stop coaching, I'm a fan of Duke. And so I just concentrate on us. You know, we've played, I think, six top 15 Opponents, we've had an incredibly tough schedule. We will have uh, the rest of February and first week of March. It doesn't change, and so my thing is just to focus on us and uh, you know whoever we will end up playing. We're building up a resume now that we should be in the tournament, good good seed, and hopefully we stay healthy and and uh, keep our eyes on our road. And not not on the road of of anyone else, and uh, I think that's a, a healthy way to look at it. Last thing, not to get way ahead, but just in general, uh, obviously Duke will be in position to be a one or a two. What's the importance of that when you get to the tournament of being a one or a two seed? Uh, I think you can make too much of it because uh, uh, the main thing is who you're playing as a one or two, and if you're fortunate enough to win. A lot of times that next game, if you're a number one seed playing an 8-9 or a 7-10, you know, those can be really hard-nosed veteran teams that can knock you off. So it's more about who you're playing. Uh, main thing, get, get there, be playing well, be healthy, 
And then uh, sometimes you, you don't play against a team that could beat you because they're beaten by someone, because they're paying attention to somebody. So, again, keep your eyes on the road in your lane, and uh, that's been my philosophy. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, Andy. Up next here on March Madness 365, my conversation with K-State's Dean Wade. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Kansas State's Dean Wade, who was perfect from the field, chipped in with 24 points as K-State beat Oklahoma State 75-57 over the weekend. Uh, That was Kansas State's, well, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth win in their last seven games. The only blemish was an out-of-conference game, the SEC Big 12 Challenge at Texas A&M. Uh, Dean, this team has flipped the script on this season. Uh, how did this happen? Um, you know, we just started really just pl- coming together, playing together, um, just going back to our basics, you know, defensive first team. And, you know, we all bought into Coach Weber's system, and um, it's really been paying off for us. Yeah, there were times it seemed like you guys were offensively challenged. Um, how did you solve that, especially during that win streak? Oh, uh, we just got to play together. Um, a lot of it just – some people had some sticky fingers, and uh, we were moving the ball great. And a lot of it also had to do with our energy on offense. Um, no one was moving or cutting or anything like that, so it made it, made it hard offensively to, you know, just get into a rhythm. And, uh, you know, lately moving the ball well, everyone's been cutting, moving, sharing the ball. It's been real good for us. You were out for the first two Big 12 games, losses to Texas and at Texas Tech. Um, that's when you were hurt. You did not play in that Kentucky well, actually, you did play in that game. You, you didn't. It was the you only had one. I think you played one of the games in the NCAA tournament, right? Yep, the Kentucky game. Kentucky game. Uh, that was the only one you did play, and and uh, you run to the Elite Eight. How worried were you that you know you were going to go through almost a little deja vu of, of of getting injured again and having to deal with that kind of comeback? Um, you know, it sucks, but it's it's part of the game. You know, injuries happen, but you know, I was just trying to stay positive and uh, you know get back as fast as I can, but not. You know, don't rush myself back so I can get injured again. So, I mean, I was I was a little worried about it, but you know, it's was, it's was just part of the process. You know, Dean, if there was ever a year if someone's going to knock off Kansas from winning 15 Big 12s in a row, this might be the year. Their inside game obviously is depleted through injuries and attrition, and right now, K State and Baylor and Iowa State, I would argue, are probably the three teams that have the best shot. I mean, right now, you guys and Baylor are tied for first in the Big 12. Um, and I know you got you got to stay, obviously, you know, I know the coach speak and the players speak and stay one game at a time and all that. I get that. But, you know, h- how much has that entered the thought process that, you know, legitimately, and I know Kansas is next on the schedule. You got them at home on Tuesday. But legitimately, you guys can compete for the Big 12 title. Um, you know, we've known all along we can compete um, at the highest level. Um, you know, right now we just got to keep focused on next game mentality because you know you lose one game in this conference man it can put you down pretty far so you know we just got to stay uh focused and um on one game and play together keep defensive mentality the same and uh you know it should you know really work itself out um hopefully in our favor and uh but as long as we just stay you know don't look too far ahead and don't look past anybody and take everybody uh as a as a real tough opponent we'll be fine yeah this is an unbelievable week i mean you've got kansas at home on tuesday and then you're at baylor which now looms as a monster game on Saturday. Uh, this is why you come to a place like Kansas State. It's why you play college basketball. What are you most looking forward to about this week with that you've got on Tuesday and Saturday? This is why people come to 
the big clubs are playing games like this um, and you get the opportunity to play a great teams like, you know, KU Baylor and, and um, you know, it'll be fun. Um, very competitive teams, you know, it'll be, it'll be um, exciting at the highest level. And um, I'm ex- really looking forward to it, show everyone that, we, you know, we belong and, you know, compete at the highest level. How are you feeling right now where, you know, Barry Brown, yourself, you guys, uh, Xavier Sneed, I mean, you've got experience from that team that went to the Elite Eight. Just give me a pulse on this locker room right now. How confident is this group? We're very confident, but, you know, we also know that we can, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, we can lose it all in, you know, a couple games. So uh, we're very focused, um, very serious, but, you know, uh, we're trying to enjoy it as well. Well, Dean, I appreciate it. This is going to be a great week for K-State with the Kansas game Tuesday night. That game's 9 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. And then Saturday afternoon, or early evening, 6 o'clock Eastern on E2, you're at Baylor. Uh, certainly this will be a great week for K-State. Uh, glad you're back on the court, healthy and everything like that, Dean. Uh, we look forward to talking to you later on. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, I appreciate you listening, downloading, and sharing the podcast wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, all our March Madness social media platforms, and some quick items to remind you of this week. Uh, I will be on Wednesday with the selection committee to discuss the net and where things are at as they get ready to put together their top 16, which will be unveiled on Saturday at noon on CBS. And then after that, we're going to have our next NCAA tournament bracket as we're going to start coming at you fast and furiously over the next month as we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday on March 17th. You can get our Power 36 at NCAA.com and at March Madness, the social media outlets. Of course, look for our Skype sessions throughout the course of the week and that bracket coming on the weekend. Thanks for listening, everyone.